You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Got a Bible, go to Acts chapter 14. We're continuing our study through the book of Acts, and and Acts chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning. So, um, so thankful, Marjorie, for you and, and your diligence to play and, and, to, and to practice, and Marsha working with the kids to do all the things you guys do to, to make our Sunday morning worship just a little bit more sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Acts chapter 14, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your presence today. We're thankful for your abundant mercy, your abundant grace that you have foreseen to give this to us in such a way that is just staggering. We don't even deserve it, but you still give this to us. God, we love you. In your holy and precious name. Amen. Acts chapter 14, but uh, we, uh, we as human beings, we, we've been designed by God specifically, uh, by the God of the universe, to worship. That, that's what we're called, that's how we're set up. All human beings worship, period. Doesn't matter if you're Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, we all worship something. Pure, plain, and simple, God created you and I to worship, and, and we will worship something. That's notice I mentioned Muslims, Buddhists. They, they're worshiping something. They're worshiping something because that's how God made us. And this is we see this played out. We saw the kids come down this morning with the palm branches. We see saw this play out in Luke chapter nineteen, where Jesus has this triumphal entry into the gates of Jerusalem. And starting in verse thirty-seven, it says, "As he." was drawing near, already on his way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I'll tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very stones would cry out. And I'm telling you, if he had shut them down, the rocks would have cried out. Amen? The rocks, everything is orchestrated by God's sovereign decrees and his mighty divine providence. The rocks would have screamed out glory in the highest. That's the reason he didn't shut them down. Hence our celebration of Palm Sunday today. But uh, and if you, Here's the thing, if you're not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ... You're going to turn to other things. You're going to worship those things that have been created by man. 
You're, you're going to worship the things that have been created by man. If you look at all other world religions, it is something that they have created. Man has created something, built something, put something in place, and they worship that. Just like they did in the Old Testament in Exodus, they built a calf of gold, and they what? They worshiped something that they created. They worshiped something that they created. And that is what happens when you don't... When you don't press out and you don't push towards the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will worship creation rather than the creator. That is, that is exposited in Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. says, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their flesh, uh, the lust of their hearts, to impurity, and to dishonoring their own bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is to be blessed forever. Amen. So, men, we, we as human beings, we're quick to jump on board with someone or something who we feel has is a strong leader. Um, we get behind. Um, Anyone who has a vision or a plan. I mean, you look at all the cults. Look at David Koresh. Um, what was that guy from a few years back where he, he, he had that crazy, he's a bald fellow with the crazy eyes, and they had that they believed that he, Heaven's Gates was the name of their little cult. And they believed that there was an alien craft behind the, behind the big uh, asteroid that was coming, and they were waiting. Oh, they're going to beam me up, Scotty. He had that crazy look in his eyes. Like, they're going to beam us up. <laughs> and, they, and they all t- drank cyanide. You're like, how in the world can you get dozens and dozens and dozens of people to drink poison and kill themselves? Because God's designed us to worship something. And if you're not worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll worship something else. You'll worship something else. And... Anytime humanity sees something that's bigger than them, stronger than them, or has a, a little bit better vision that they might have, man, they're quick to jump on board and go, on, go along with it. Oh, not me, Caleb. I wouldn't do that. Man, you ever watched the documentary of David Koresh? There were some good meaning people in there that, man, just David had a good vision, quote unquote, and they thought he was awesome until the house was burning down and the tank was crushing them. crazy right anytime we're we're quick to attach ourselves to anything we hope is going to get some sort of man if we can get some sort of a benefit out of this if we get some sort of I mean look at Joseph Smith Mormonism the craziest cult in the world one of their core beliefs is that good Christian men will be gods of their own planet. Ladies, you're going to love this. You get to be eternally pregnant and populate those planets. My wife doesn't want to go. <laughs> like, that, like, where does that come from? That is, that's, when you don't base your theology in the book, God's Word, that's when you get in this helter-skelter, crazy, anything-goes thing. So we see this unfold in Acts chapter 14. This is, this is the crazy story. Paul and Barnabas, they go to preach the gospel in a place called Lystra. In chapter 14, starting in verse 8, they go preach the gospel in Lystra. And, and just some crazy th- things unfold. I, I just want to read the text. So we're going to start in verse 8. And we're just going to read for a minute. So just bear with me. We'll start here. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth. And he had never walked. And he listened to Paul speaking. And Paul was looking at him intently. And seeing that he had faith to be made well, he said in a loud voice, Straighten up. Get on your feet. And the man sprung up and he began to walk. 
And when the crowds saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in uh, Lyconian, the gods have come down in the likeness of men. Barnabas was called Zeus and Paul was called Hermias because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, where there was a temple at the entrance of the city, brought an oxen and garland to the gates and they wanted to sacrifice with the crowd. They wanted to offer sacrifice. Verse 14, but when the, the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd crying, Men, why are you doing such things? We also are men in the likeness with you, of likeness just like you. And we bring good news that you should turn away from vain things like this to a living God who makes the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Whew. Like... Oh, Caleb, we see all the crazy in our world. This is crazy too. Just absolutely outright nuts. Paul, Paul, as he's teaching, sees one man who has faith to be able to, to be well. He's been crippled since birth. And Paul sees him and says, looks at him intently and says, get up. And he gets up immediately and he walks. And this causes complete pandemonium in the crowd. Um, and the reason this happened is because of folk folklore. A lie that has been passed down over the generations. And this folklore was, I did some study on this and some history on this. It was interesting. This town had some crazy religious teachings that had been taking place. And the people, they took these religious teachings to heart. They had been taught that Zeus and Hermias at one point had came to visit the people of Lystra looking for food and lodging. And everyone had rejected them except for a peasant named Philemon and his wife Barcius, that's a sweet name, isn't it? Um, so the gods took vengeance on these people by flooding the town and killing everyone except for Philemon and Barcius. And their cottage had been covered in, or had been converted, not covered, converted into the temple of worship for these gods, for these two specific gods. And Philemon and Barshius were installed as their chief priest and priestess. Like we'll read that here in a second in the text. And Zeus was considered the king of the gods. He was the man. And Hermias was considered the heralder or the messenger of the gods. He was the one that was to be the proclaimer. That's what Paul did. Paul proclaimed. So they said, Barnabas must be Zeus and Paul must be Hermias. And so they, they thought that that's who Paul and Barnabas were. And they didn't want to repeat of the flood. To they didn't want that flood to happen again because the folklore said, listen, we rejected the gods once. And because we rejected the gods once, they killed everybody. Well, we don't want that again. So, man, they went all in. They went all in and said, the gods are back. They're here. They've taken the form of man. Let's give them sacrifice. Let's worship. Let's honor. Let's give them praise. Let's, let's go after it. And this is what happens when you root yourself in worldly religions. When you root yourself in a pagan religion, a religion that is outside of the pages of Scripture, you're going to 
get engrafted into pagan worship ceremonies. That's what's going to happen. The devil is up to his neck, up to his eyeballs in religion. He doesn't care if you're religious, just as long as you're not basing your religion in the pages of Scripture. As long as you're not worshiping King Jesus, he doesn't care. He doesn't, once again, I've said, he doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you. And this is what happens when you root yourself in, in worldly pagan religion. Listen, this is why it matters if we get our theology right. If we're not basing our teaching solely on the word of God, we will wander off into myths and fables. We see it every single day. There are people who do it every single day who are well-meaning, nice people, but they are following a religion that will not save them. That's the reason in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul gives a warning to Timothy, young pastor, says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all complete patience and teaching. For there's going to come a time when people will not endure sound doctrine. They will have itching ears and they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers that will suit their own passions, their own desires. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. Now, we're seeing that on a wholesale level in America and in the world in general. People believing myths. And listen, there's even churches that say they're using the Bible to have, that, that do things that absolutely are not even rooted in the scriptures. We live in a world that's loosey-goosey when it comes to theology. When it comes to understanding the teachings and the principles of God. Theology just means the study of God. And we're loosey-goosey in a world that has this. We are more accepting of things that might seem to work rather than what the pages of the scriptures tell us to do. Or something that maybe we've been taught in church for decades. And we think, well, that's, that's what this is. People will take scriptures completely out of context and turn them into something completely different than they were. Um, you say, well, Caleb, not in our modern age. We wouldn't believe that. Okay, let's go. Um, we live in a world that has a lot of bad theology. So, something that is simple that we might believe. Here's one that, that people believe because we've grown up watching television. We've watched media. We've read stories. There are people that believe that angels have wings and halos. Like genuine believe that angels have wings. The only angelic creatures that have wings are seraphim. They've got six of them. And they have one job. They fly around the throne room of God, worshiping God. Two they cover their, with two sets they cover their face, with two sets they cover their feet, and with two sets they fly. And they all 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no breaks, constantly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Back and forth all day. That's the only every, every other angelic creature, they don't have wings. They, they don't have wings. Nowhere in the pages of Scripture does it say angels have wings or halos. That is a myth that we have believed. So um, that's one thing. Uh, the other one is the devil is not a shade of red with a pitchfork and a tail. Scripture says that he was beautiful. He was absolutely stunning to look at. He was gorgeous to, to behold. And when he sang, it would put any singer to shame. 
Anybody that makes their living singing would be like, man, I'm just going to go ahead and sit down and be quiet. Because his voice, his looks, he was stunning. And that's what caused him to fall. He looked at, he was looking one day and so he's like, man, I, golly, pride overcame Lucifer, son of the morning. That's his, that's his name. Satan's name is Lucifer. And he was the son of the morning and he looked in and saw himself and he beheld himself. Man, I'm, I'm pretty good looking. I sound good. Man, I, I should be God. And that got him kicked out. He tried to become God. He couldn't. The creature tried to become the creator. And that's what we as human beings do oftentimes is we say, I need to be, I'm the God of my own universe. You've heard people say that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not the God of your own universe. So that's another one. Satan didn't read with a tail. Um, here's one that is grossly over, over, misused. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be. And that's used wholesale when you go into a worship gathering. Everybody's like, listen, there's more. There's two of us gathered here. God's with us. That is, this text, people use this all the time for gathering, for prayer meetings, for worship services. This verse is, has absolutely nothing to do with worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. This verse is actually exclusively about church discipline. That This text is exclusively about church discipline. This is why context matters. So you just go up into verse 15 of Matthew chapter 18. It says, For if a brother or sister sends... If a brother or sister sins, go to them and point out their faults between you and them alone. If they listen, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or more witnesses. If they refuse to listen, then take it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to even the church, treat them as a pagan. Treat them as a lost person. How do you, you don't be mean to them. You pray for them. Ask God to save them. And then down to verse 18. For where two or more are gathered in my name, there I'll be with them. So when it comes to disciplining somebody that's in sin, God says, where there's two or more of you in agreement about this sin, I'm going to be in the midst of it with you. It's not a prayer service. It's not a worship service. It's disciplining somebody that is in sin. That's what that's about. The, the point is that we can wander off. We say, Caleb, you, what, what, what's the point of all this? We can wander off into myths and to wrong theology if we're not staying rooted and grounded in the text. All of the text, not just the pieces that we like. Not just the sections that we like. I'm talking about being rooted and grounded in all of the text. It is so important. Oftentimes humanity is more accepting of religious ideologies that feed their own selfish interests rather than those that are actually taught in the scriptures. This is why the Bible must be taught constantly and it must be our foundation. All of scripture. We don't, there's no such thing as cherry picking the verses that we like that help us shape our worldview, that help us get our ideologies out that we want. And we see that all day long in the prosperity gospel. They'll take some text out of Luke or John that says, hey, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. Boom! Where's my Porsche? Where's my mansion? We see that constantly. This, we don't cherry pick verses that shape our worldview. Not traditions, 
We don't, we don't go after church traditions or, or church history that, that, that is not rooted or grounded in the scriptures. We've, we've all done it this way. Well here's, one. well, here's another one. Well, we've always done it for years like this. We've always done it this way. We can't do it any differently. We've always done it this way. Well, because we've always done it that way. Well, why? I'm a why guy. Why have we always done it this way? Why have we always chased after these things the way we do? Rather, what we need to do, rather than focusing on myths and, and fables, rather we must be focused on keeping ourselves rooted in the Bible. Amen? The Bible has to be our foundation. So when Paul and Barnabas, go back to Acts chapter 14. That's a, you guys got a little extra there this morning. When Paul and Barnabas heard this happening, they didn't go out and be like, yep, we're here, Zeus and Hermes, we're here, come worship. They didn't do that. They went out and attempted to squash this quickly. Verse 14 says, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd crying, men, why are you doing such things? We are men of like nature with you. And we bring good news that you should turn from these vain ideas and turn towards a living God who has made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. In past generations, he allowed the nations to walk in their own way, yet he did not leave himself without a witness. For he did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons to satisfy your heart with food and with gladness. So Paul and Barnabas come out boldly and say, man, we're not who you think we are. We are not God. We are not gods. We are, we are simple men just like you with a message that of good news. That you should turn from vain ideas like this. This silly, crazy, evil theology that you're believing. Turn from that and go towards the God, the living God of hope. They call these he called these people to repent of their beliefs and follow and trust the, and love the God of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and the, it ended with Jesus, it ends with, listen, Jesus is going to satisfy your hearts. Now, interestingly enough, the, the Lyconians were a pagan nation. So they had no understanding of the law because they had never heard the law. They'd never seen it. So what Paul does is he changes up a little bit and goes with Romans chapter 1 talking about conscience and creation. So he uses conscience and creation because it's a pagan nation and they didn't have an understanding of the Old Testament laws. So what Paul did is he, he uses the evidence of creation for the universe with the knowledge of who God is. That he exists. He shows them and explains to them that God created the world. He created rain that gives them the things that they need. Romans chapter 1. Since what may be known of God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So these people knew that there was a God. They were just worshiping the wrong one. They knew there was. They just worshiped the wrong one. So Paul's using creation to point them towards the fact that Jesus is the one who made it. Christ is the one who made all of these things. And he is the one to be worshipped. Turn from your vain ways of thinking and turn towards the living God of hope. And they preached the gospel. 
This is what the church must do week after week, week in and week out. Teach the gospel. This is the message that will transform and change the lives and hearts of men and women everywhere. And even after Paul does this, all of this, like rips their garments. Anytime in the Old Testament you see someone rip their garments, it's a sign of just utter horror and grief and, and, and dismay. So they're ripping their garments as a sign of, no, no, don't do this. Don't follow after this. And even after all of this is done, the people are still so set in their religious ways that they are blinded to the truth. Verse 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people. So they didn't even remotely. The people still wanted to worship them. They still wanted to lay sacrifice to them. These people were so blinded by the enemy, Satan, that they could not even see the truth of the gospel. How like this is horrific. This is absolutely terrifying to think about that. Satan has blinded these men and women so completely that they could not see the truth. But it did not stop Paul from trying. Paul and Barnabas were still faithful to preach the gospel to the people who were listening and, and who had, and even those that would listen and those who wouldn't. So there's I'm listen, because there's some of the crowd that are saved. We we know this because the text tells us here in a minute, because there's disciples that are here. So people do get saved. Now, like, like I've said before, when the gospel is being preached, just ready yourself for what's going to happen next. The enemy does not take kindly to the gospel being preached. The enemy hates the good news of Jesus. He loves worldly religions and pagan religions, but man, he hates the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the, the nail in his coffin. The nail in his coffin is the good news of Christ. So Paul is faithful to preach the good news of Jesus and something that can, um, sometimes that can go badly. Preaching the Lord Jesus Christ can go badly on this earth. Now it's going to go good for all eternity. But while we're here in this world, it can, it can go bad. Look at verse 19. <laughs> but the Jews came from Antioch. Remember last week, Antioch, remember Antioch and Iconium, they, get, they got kicked out. And they remember they shook the dust off, said we're going on and find somebody else. So the Jews followed them. Like, oh, we know where you're going next. We're just going to follow you. So the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he's dead. What a ministry that is. You preach faithfully and the people get mad and they throw rocks at you. It happens to preachers. Even in America. Maybe not physical stones. But man, there's some other stones that get thrown at you. Um, he was stoned and left for dead, but God was not done. Amen. God's when listen until God's through with you, you aren't through. Amen. Until God's through with you, you're not through. Look at verse twenty. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered into the city on the next day, and he went on with Barnabas to Derby, not Derby, Kansas, but. Uh, Kansas folks like that. All right, all right. Scratch that joke for next time. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that 
through many tribulations, we will enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, tribulation is coming. Trials are coming for those that follow the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. In this world, John chapter 16, verse 33, just Jesus said it. Listen, I've told you these things that you understand. You will have tribulation in this life. But he didn't end. He goes, but take heart. Take heart. I've overcome. It's Christ that's overcome. Following God in this world will be filled with tribulations and trials. It just will. You're going to be... You're going to walk through deep water in this world when you say Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. Nobody else gets to the, no one gets to heaven without Jesus. There are going to be people even in this town who say that's silly and that how dare you? I can just I can just be a good person. That's the religion of America. I'm a, I'm a good person, so God's not going to throw me out because I'm a good guy. Well, the scripture says everyone's evil. And your good deeds look like filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. So you need a stand-in. You need a holy stand-in to give you a right standing before the God of the universe. So following God in this world is going to be filled with tribulation. It's going to be filled with trials. It's going to be filled with tri- uh, just turbulence that's going to go badly in this life. I mean, you look at Paul's ministry. Stone. I mean, how many of you guys love getting hit with rocks? It's a fun one, right? There's nobody out here who's like, hey, listen, when we're done, Darren, could you take some, some stones and chunk some stones at me at the end of service? That'd be awesome. Nobody in the room's wanting that. Darren's thinking, man, that would be fun, though, right? Verse 23. Look, at I love this. They appointed, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So even in the midst of all of this chaos, all of this carnage, being stoned, drug out of the city and left for dead, the Lord's still working at building his church. The, the same goes to the day. Even in the midst of all the chaos of 2022 and all the carnage of the, the political upheavals in our country and all the insanity that's going on in the world today, God is still on his throne. Amen? Got a couple of got a couple of amens. Maybe the rest of you don't believe that, but God's still on his throne. Christ is ruling. He is the ruler of the universe, and he's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Like that, like that should cause us to get a little excited. The gates of hell cannot stop the church from being built. God will save those who he needs to save. Man. And what's fabulous is that you and I have been invited in as believers to be part of this. Like we get to be a part of this. Like we get to be a part of the amazing work and the amazing construction plan that Christ has put together in the pages of Scripture. You and I get to be a part of that. Woo! Come on, that that is glorious, amen? I got, um, come on, we got... Let's get some excitement in this room. I know we're Baptists, but come on. To be able to tell people, that to show people that, that the cross of Christ is the place where they need to lay their sins and that the finished work of Jesus on the cross, He is the one who has overcome everything. Tell them that the hope and the redemption is found in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And let them let, let, let God bring the increase. Stop stressing and worrying. Oh, I just 
I need to see my cousin saved. I need to see my wife saved. I need to see my husband saved. I need to see my kids saved. And stop worrying about that. Pray. Rather than worry, pray. Rather than worry, pray. And get on your knees before the Lord and say, God, I know that you're sovereign. You're able to do things. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would save whoever. And guess what? God's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. Amen? Like That's what God's pleading for. I don't want to see anyone. What? Come on. Tell them. Tell them that the hope of redemption is found in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And let Jesus do the work that he said he'd do all along. That he'd do all along. How gloriously great is this? This week I want to challenge us to continue, as, as they said in the text, Paul and Barnabas went and encouraged the believers to continue in the faith. Don't grow weary in doing good, ladies and gentlemen. Don't grow weary today. That's the message for you today out of the text. Don't grow weary with doing godliness. Don't grow weary with following the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to challenge us to continue in the faith and not give up. Keep pressing towards God and His Word and put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ because He's overcome. Amen? Let's stand together. Sing this. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Sister Jean, would you dismiss us in prayer? You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.